You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Well, this is a special edition of two podcasts that are coming together. The More to the Story podcast with me, Andy Miller, and the Life-Changing Discipleship podcast with Matt Friedemann. We have brought our audiences together here for a special topic. Matt, thanks for coming along and doing this with me. Well, thanks. And listen, it's an honor, always an honor to be with you, particularly in the media like this. That's great. Listen, I want everybody to check out both of our podcasts. Right, right. All right, so life-changing to stop you more to the story people need to know there's some other things out there for you like life-changing discipleship and of course folks listening to my podcast I want you to be sure to check out Andy Miller's podcast called more of the story I think you'll really love it yeah and there, look Matt teaches here he's taught here at Wesley Biblical Seminary for more than 30 years so there's a, there's a great opportunity I have to learn from him on a regular basis and this is a person who has been in the fight for a long time. He's a salvationist. For those of you who are in the Salvation Army, my group, he's a salvationist without a uniform. I'm telling you, mm. he's out working, uh, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ and, and interacting with our community here in Jackson. I've been, I've loved it. Actually, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Keep going. No, I just want to say, to call me a salvationist without a uniform may be the tallest compliment I've ever received. Oh. I love that. I don't know if you know this or not, but no. my family over the dinner table, memorizes and repeats uh, a lot of a lot of things. I love we that. sing songs together. We do Old Testament, New Testament. But one of the things we've done is memorized a couple of William Booth quotes across the years. Okay. That I, I just want William Booth to be on their brains wow. for the rest of their lives, and it is. That's how much I love William Booth. I yeah. make sure they memorize William Booth. Yeah, and you, I've, I was there when you when I came to your house. We sang "Oh, Boundless Salvation." How about that? Look at that. One of my favorite hymns. That's not in a, nearly enough hymn books. Well, it's going to be in a new hymn book. It's a new West Pan Wesleyan hymn book that's Ooh, coming out here soon. Nice. So I just want to. Little coming out by seed bed. Praise the Lord for that. So here's what I want to I want to talk to you about a few things All because right. look, as I've been here, within three days of me living in Jackson, hmm. this man here and his church got my kids, my 14 and 12 year old boys, not my daughter yet, and he had them out in front of an abortion clinic, the only abortion clinic in the state of Mississippi, praying holding up signs, encouraging people. And I have been encouraged by the way you take your pro-life views so seriously. Mm. And you do this because you've seen the effects that can come when lives are saved. Now, we're at a really critical point. You and I are recording this on a day where tomorrow mm. Supreme Court of the United States is going to hear oral arguments about a case involving the abortion clinic that you go to at least once a week. Well, and I don't know why it was that our court case came up. And it was a, right. this is a Mississippi court case, and it's the Jackson Women's Health Organization. So we have been out there. Wesley Biblical Seminary has been out there for 38 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about that. For the better part of four decades, we've had people who have graduated from our seminary, been on the cutting edge of the pro-life movement out in front of an abortion clinic. You know what? I don't know. I don't want to. S I, I appreciate all the pro-life workers. And there's so many out there that have done an incredible job across many decades. I just wonder if God didn't look down at that situation and say, you know, you guys have been slogging down there for four decades. 
I'm going to do this for you. It's going <laughs> to be your court case. Right. It's going to be your abortion clinic that uh, ends up right there on the national stage. And we don't know what's going to happen. Chance that Roe v. Wade could be overturned. I don't know. We'll right. know probably in the summer. You were out there this morning, weren't I you? I was out there this morning, yes. What, what was the scene like there? Uh, you know, uh, pretty quiet when I was there. But the fact of the matter is it's very busy because the uh, there's been a lot of states, uh, conjoining states coming in. Uh, all the way from Texas, actually, Texas and Louisiana, a lot, a lot of people come into our clinic, and uh, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's important that uh, to to recognize one one of the guys that's been out there, a guy named Doug Lane, has been out at this abortion clinic for years, a graduate of Wesley Biblical Seminary, and he says it's the principle of presence. Wow. The more people we have out there praying and speaking to people in love, the more lives we save. Mm. Now, what'll break your heart is. I recognize that, but sometimes there's almost nobody out there, mm-hmm. and then sometimes we'll have you know 25, 30 people. Now, talk to me about that. I mean, maybe some people, particularly people outside of the United States, maybe the idea of standing in front of an abortion clinic gives a bad image in their mind of somebody who's hate hateful and pointing their finger. Yeah. What do you What do you do when you go out there? Well, there's definitely some of that. Well, early on when we started this. Uh, I made the case, listen, I'm willing to go out there, but I don't want to be out there when all that stuff's going on. Okay. Because we want to go out there and love. Yeah. I think love wins. Yeah. I think love wins the day. Amen. So we want to go out there and love. We want to go out there. However, saying we can help you. Right. I actually think when we're out there, we're the pro-choicers. Those ladies going in don't think they have a choice. Wow. We want to tell them you do have a choice. Yes. And anything you need for us to do, we're willing to do in order for you to choose life today, to choose on behalf of your baby. Mm. So that's the kind of presence I love to take out there. And we, we've done some unusual things here at Wesley Biblical Seminary, but for for many decades now, we, we've said, if you want an A in a Friedemann class, that's like, <laughs> my name's Matt Friedemann, right, so right, I, right. I, I teach these classes. If you want an A, you need to either go with me to the prison to preach on a weekly basis, yeah. or to go out to an abortion clinic, right. and let's uh, let's try to love these ladies to life. And, uh, and so we've had, across years, lots of Wesley Biblical Seminary students. In fact, since in the time we've been going out there with Wesley Biblical Seminary students, and that's not counting the 38-year-old, uh, the 38-tenured guys, 38-year-tenured uh, Oh, tenured right, guys. right, That's right, not right. them. I mean, just for my classes, there have been 1,000 babies that have been saved. Oh, my Now, goodness. think about that. Wow. There are people running around this town right, right now, this In their city. 30s. Yeah, and really right. all over the nation because yeah, yeah. people move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that are out there because people dared to just show up and pray and speak love and say, listen, there are options here. Right, right. We'll do anything we can. And one day— I was out there, and a lady whipped around and says, hey, yeah, will you raise my baby? Okay. And I looked at her and said, well, yeah. And then I had to go home, <laughs> and, I had to go home and my wife. Yeah, sweetheart. <laughs> you already have six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have six. Will we? And she says, sure we would. I mean, wow. I love the answer. Sure we would. Wow. I mean, instead of dying, we could have that baby in our— And so I want, to, I want you to know, sometimes the big criticism of the pro-choice or the pro-abortion movement is you only care about babies in the womb. Mm, you don't care right, about right, right, right. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you don't know pro-lifers. Wow, it's the pro-lifers who are doing the adopting. Wow, it's the pro-lifers that will adopt those babies who are safe in the abortion clinic. And I know that because we have two prominent families with lots of children in them. We go out there on a regular basis, and some of those children are indeed children that were saved from that clinic. Wow. So it's a beautiful story here, but it's a beautiful story everywhere where pro-life people decide we are going to get involved, not just talk. Right, right. Pro-life or not just vote pro-life. We will hope you do both of those. Right. But it's not enough. 
And see, what we talked about here for these first few minutes, we haven't mentioned anything about Roe versus Wade or the Supreme Court mm-hmm. oral arguments that are going to be tomorrow. I don't know when that will be, when this podcast will actually land for both of, on both of our channels. I mean, that those are important things. But I love the focus that you have. Like, this is about lives. This is about mothers in our community where we have an opportunity to help save babies' lives. Anything else you wanted to add like wh- about the pro-life cause in general before we get to the Supreme Court Sure. Stuff? I'm a big hypocrite. Let's start with okay. that. Okay. So, uh, you know, I was in the media in Jackson for years. Uh, I had a, a, a twice-weekly column in the statewide right, right, daily. Right. had a uh, radio show. It was local. Then it was statewide. Then it went national. And then I would do local TV uh, political okay. Anal- okay. analysis. And so with all that going on, one of the things I would say continually, if pastors would get up and do something about this, yeah. if pastors would get up and go out to the clinic, if pastors would instruct their people to let's get involved with the Crisis Pregnancy Center, we could end this thing overnight. Now, wow. my spiritual gift is a big mouth. Right? <laughs> That's my spiritual gift. And yeah, I've always yeah. said, you know, operate out of your spiritual gift. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with that was it was a safe thing to say because... Huh, you didn't have to do anything. You I didn't use have your mouth. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. use my spiritual gift, my big mouth, <laughs> and so I don't have to do anything. So uh, we planted a church. Twenty-one years ago, we planted Day Spring Community Church. Great and we, church. And uh, the the very first Sunday, one of the board members of Pro Life Mississippi came up and she says, "Pastor." Now, first off, I love that word, pastor, because that meant she was wanting to, for me to be her pastor. Right. I right, love that. Sure. Yeah. If you're if you're a church plant starting out your first you service, need one. you, need you want people to say pastor, okay? So she says, pastor. I said, yeah. She goes, uh, when are we going to start our abortion clinic ministry? Mm. If anything could ruin a good mood, right? <laughs> I mean, we had a great first service. People were loving it. It was it was boisterous. It was vibrant. It was robust. It was hilarious. And then she had to say that. Yeah. I didn't want to go out to the abortion clinic. No one wants to go out to an abortion clinic. Right. You just don't want to do it. Right. It's horrible. But that's what Christians have been known for across many years is we're willing to run to the sound of the pain. The pain is no fun. Right. The pain is not a beautiful thing to see. The pain is not something that we're attracted to. That's why we run to it, right. to help people out of the pain. And right. so that next week, the next Saturday, literally, me and the family were out there, and we've pretty much been there ever since. Wow. Uh, and I think it's a great thing to be involved with. It's a hard thing to be involved with, right. which is why not a lot of people are involved at the clinics. Having said that, we still need people to say, regardless of whether the Supreme Court rules right. in favor right. or against right. Roe right. v. Wade, we still need to stay in the fight. Right. So this is the interesting place we're at now. I heard uh, Robbie George, Robert B. George, who's a Princeton jurisprudence professor who's well-known, he said, he says, Roe will go. Now, I, I want to head like, I know, I, maybe you don't even want to talk about because you're like your focus is on let's save babies. No, it's a good. It, so I don't want to get my. I don't want to get too encouraged. Right. Okay. You, you're see, cautious, right? No, you have to budget in. It might not. Right. If you don't budget that in, then you're just going to get depressed and. And it's not going to solve everything, but it'll make a big difference. Well, what it does is in a state like Mississippi, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, you got one month. My understanding is you got one month from when it's overturned, and then it clicks in. And I had guys out there this morning saying, if it is overturned. What do you suppose is going to be the reaction of the church in Jackson, Mississippi, to those 30 days? Mm. Because they're going to try to get a bunch of abortions done. What will we do? Will we just say, whew, good, Roe v. Wade's been overturned, hallelujah, thine the glory, and not go out to the abortion clinic in those 30 days? I thought, that's a great question. Better be ready. Because it is a question of faithfulness. 
Right. It's a question of running to the sound of the pain. It's a question of are we really trustworthy in the eyes of God to do the things he knows we don't want to do but need to do anyway. Right. And it's going to be interesting to see. But regardless of whether it happens or not, some of the states like Mississippi immediately overturn abortions in their state. There will no, there, the, we have one last abortion clinic in Mississippi. It's the one that's the Supreme Court case right, right, right now. Right. But that'll be gone. Right. And by the stop. way, they'll be oh. hilarious. We've always prayed for this. Could a church plant happen in that building? Wow. When it's gone. Now, it may not be gone this year. Yeah. Roe v. Wade may not get overturned. But someday we're praying for a church plant to move into that building. Wow. I love it. Let me stop us here for just a quick advertisement. Like we have some sponsors on both of our podcasts. One of them is a place we work, Wesley Biblical Seminary, right. where we are developing trusted leaders for faithful churches. And our the way we do that is we offer undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral programs. We have lay initiatives, something called the Wesley Institute that happens once a week. Like when we say we're developing trusted leaders, we're not just developing trusted senior pastors. We are wanting to invest in Sunday school teachers, church board members, people who are looking to go deeper in their faith. And there's many options. So you can go to wbs.edu. And we're teaching a class this coming spring, which will start, it's a spring semester, starts January 10th on ideological threats to the gospel. And this is going to be taught by our philosophical theologian. Don't be afraid because I said that term. Philosophical theologian, Steve Blakemore. And this is like one of these classes that we really push forward as a way for people to audit classes, something that you might be able to do. So check us out at wbs.edu. Now I want to give you like one little piece from my, my perspective. As I'm hearing this, you and I a few minutes ago recorded another podcast about my denomination, right. the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And we talked about kind of like this move that's come in, pushing a liberal agenda within certain quarters. I would say a small minority that's pushing that. But what's interesting to me is that as the Salvation Army has embraced um, the words social justice, of course, the the basic beautiful concept of it that has been around since our founding, um, we've always embraced that, is that we haven't, we've de-emphasized pro-life causes. Now, like what what I want to suggest is like, if we value all of these beautiful things that you're saying about our opportunity to speak into the lives of, of, of people, and it means that we could, the Salvation Army and other denominations, maybe for the sake of political expediency, right, to, to not rock the boat too much, we haven't stood up as clear as we could for right um, for pro-life causes. So your Salvation Army, you yeah. see that with your denomination. I'm Church of the Nazarene. I see it with my denomination. Okay. Very rarely does anybody talk about this issue. And I'm thinking, what is with us? We're talking about a million to 1.5 million deaths every year that are sanctioned by federal law. Are you kidding me? Wow. And we don't want to talk about it? Right. We all know it's wrong. Right. Listen, I, I, we, we have a friend, used to be a board member here, started the first abortion clinic in Mississippi. Did oh you know goodness. that? I did not know that. Her name yeah. was Beverly Smith at the time. Okay. And she says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm beginning to come around to this issue. Let me tell you when she came around. She came here from Chicago. She had seen what a coat hanger could do to oh. a human body. Oh and my. she says, I, I, I got to do better than that. So she came down. Part of her community service when she moved to Jackson, Mississippi was let's, let's start an abortion clinic that does it right. And so she was in training for this one day. Yeah. She'd started to do them, but then went to some training. And they taught her how to do an abortion. But the biggest part of it is after the abortion. And she says, you put in your hands the POCs, the products of conception. Okay. So you look down there and it says, okay, 
are both legs there? Are both oh. arms there? Is the thorax there? Are the ribs there? And because if any part is still in her, we've got major problems. Wow. So something really bad could happen. So count them. Make sure all the pieces are there in your hand. She goes, I, I began getting an idea that maybe, just maybe, this wasn't for me. She, she says, by the way, all pro-abortionists will have a visceral reaction, whether they'll ever admit it or not, because they're looking down at a human being. Wow. That was all together not long ago, but today, right now, in this moment, is just torn asunder. She goes, I'm looking down there, and I see a perfectly formed arm with a little bicep. Oh, my goodness. And my son was running around in those days saying, Mommy, Mommy, look at my muscle. Oh, my goodness. And she says, My God, there's a perfectly formed, just like my boy. A wow. moment ago, this was all together. Now it's torn a piece, and I did this. Wow. And she goes, so it wasn't long. One of, the, one, one of the parts of her salvation story is Wesley Biblical Seminary at that point was two doors down from her house on State Street. Mm. They came knocking at her door. Wow. Invited her to church, invited her to know Jesus Christ. She eventually came to the Lord, stopped doing abortions, and now she's one of the biggest pro-life advocates in all the land. And, of course, her husband, Roy, uh, was a great pro-life uh, protester out at the abortion clinic. But the whole point here is, it's important to engage the issue, and she thought as a person that started the clinic, maybe I ought to spend the rest of my life against the clinic. Wow. Uh, now, the question that you had, I was leading into that with this, with all of this. I forget what it was. Oh, I was talking about denominations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so the whole point is, it's not a fun issue to talk about. Not right. for her, not right. for anybody. We hate the issue. Mm -hmm. And that's why we stopped talking about it. So. Mm -hmm. The Salvation Army, we're just tired of it. We don't. It makes us look fundamental. Right. Makes what? us look right-wing. And I'm thinking, right. okay, I'm good. You don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it either, but it's a justice issue. Right. And babies are dying in the womb, and you know it's wrong. And if you don't know it's wrong, you need to go back to your denominational positions because most people listening to this broadcast right now will say, my denomination has taken a stance on this. Let me follow through with that stance and embrace it wholly. Yeah. Embrace it fully, start talking about it like I know I should, or get out of the denomination. Hello. There's a lot of liberal denominations that would right. love to have you. <laughs> right. But if you're going to be a conservative and a spirit-filled denomination, right, right. Salvation Army is that, Nazarenes are that, right. go ahead and live up to it. I mean, so in, in my denomination, our first article of faith says, we believe that the scriptures of the Old New Testament were given by inspiration of God, and they only constitute the divine rule of Christian faith and practice. Mouthful, I know. But there, there's this kind of scriptural foundation. But then every person who joins the Salvation Army, and I'd be glad for you to join if you ever wanted to, uh, get a Salvation Army uniform and all, they say this. I could get turned on by that. I might just work it out. I don't know. It says, we, w we will tithe. We will do this. Blank, blank, blank. We will uphold the purpose of the kingdom. But he also say this. We will, or I will, uphold the sanctity of marriage and family life. The essence of that is like that there is a family that exists. Like that there's a reality that we have. We see, acknowledge this as a life that needs to thrive. We value the life of that child. We recognize the challenges. And if any denomination, like, kind of, like Nazarene and the Salvation Army, that's willing to say we care for people after they're out of the womb, it's these type of holiness denominations that have taken the lead on these fronts. So, like, I think we value that, and it is a missed opportunity. But we're, we, we have valued that. If okay. we don't talk about it anymore, yeah. we don't act on it anymore, then we can say we value it. We can say it's written in the Articles of Faith. We can say it's, it's written up somewhere in our manual. But if you're not living it, if you're not right. talking about it, you don't value it. Wow.
And so, and this is why, like, I, we kind of tease this out with the idea of what's happened to the Supreme Court. You notice we haven't talked very much about the Supreme Court, right? And it is important, like, what's going to happen there. Like, the laws reflect the moral compass of our society, and there's an, an, a wrong has happened with Roe that uh, came about, and there's an opportunity to correct it. Um, but that's not the emphasis we have today. Well, and I'm, I'm glad because I'm not an expert on uh, legalese. But having said that, that's why Robert George yeah. uh, fully anticipates this thing's going to fall. That's why Clarence Thomas, perhaps even now, today, wants it to fall. Right. Is because they recognize. I, I saw uh, something this week. Uh, it was uh, Governor Shaheen from, uh, is it New Hampshire? I forget. Anyway, okay. out east somewhere. And uh, she says there's going to be – if you pro-lifers want a revolution, then overturn Roe v. Wade. We will have a, a revolution. I'm thinking I'm thinking, center, <laughs> 1 to 1. 1.5 million deaths a year isn't some kind of revolution. Wow. We want to be people of the counter-revolution. Amen. But in that article, what it said was this. Well, we need to take seriously what women are feeling on this. And I'm thinking, all right, I like that. Yeah, sure. But that has no basis – for how we decide Supreme Court cases. Right. We don't do things on feeling. That's the brilliance. That's the beauty of what we do in this nation. We're not based on feeling. We are based on law. We're a nation of law. Right. We're states of law. Right. We're cities of law. That's what we do. And so we look at the Constitution of the United States of America, and we discern from that Constitution what's right and what's wrong. And when there's a question, we throw it to the states. There you go. And, oh, that's just, and there you go. If it's not talked about, we throw it to the states. Now, there's all kinds of, you know, wiggle room there, as we have found. Al Gore once said, the Constitution is a living and breathing document, which means do whatever you want with it. Right, sure. And, and I'm that's thinking, a scriptural interpretation is a very similar path that people take. Uh, is it ever? They parallel. Now, is, I wanted to share this So, So all that to say, everybody, even the liberals know this. It's coming. Roe v. Wade was based on shoddy interpretation of the Constitution. Right. Everybody knows it. And so what we're going to find increasingly, I hope, over the next several weeks, are the Supreme Court justices are going to look at that and be embarrassed about what happened in 1973 and say, whether we like it or we don't like it, we've got to go back and do the right thing here. Right. Well, I'm hopeful, and we're praying for that and fasting for it tomorrow as this is going to happen. Like, we're ready to, like, do our part with that. And I'm so thankful and encouraged by the way you're doing that. You've led my family to embrace that that as well. It hasn't been something that we've done, but we've taken the, the freedom and cue, and I like to take as many freedom and cues mm. as possible. So that, that's – I want to tell you this quick point, why Robert George thinks it's going to happen. He thinks it's going to be 6-3 to three because he thinks, well, it might be 5-4. That'd to be four. the Republican uh, base. Uh, conservative, you know, versus liberal kind of living, yeah, right. breathing interpretation. So then um, – he says the reason why he thinks Roberts, who has an idea for keeping the court kind of centered um, and like not too reactionary, that if, if it's six to three, then he'll have an opportunity to write it. But if it's five to four, somebody like Clarence Thomas will be able to write the write the. Which I would review. love to see. I mean, <laughs> I don't want it to be five to four. I don't want to be you know, yeah, I nine want to be zero. nine to zero. Amen. Yeah. But I'd love to see Clarence Thomas write it. Yeah. God bless him. So thanks so much for coming to this. And like we're, we're going to have opportunities to share. I imagine we'll have uh, dual podcasts before. But again, this has been the More to Story podcast with Andy Miller and the Life-Changing Discipleship podcast.
with Matt Friedemann. We are coming to you from Wesley Biblical Seminary, where I serve as Vice President for Academic Affairs and Professor of Theology, and Matt serves as a John Case Professor of Evangelism. Uh, Distinguished. There you go. Something like that? I don't know. Whatever. It's it's a professor of evangelical studies, but uh, John M. Case was a great man. I'm uh, honored to fill a seat. Awesome. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us.